Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 114th Congress. Just last month, two young Indian girls were found dead, hanging from a tree, after they had been raped and strangled. In Pakistan, a 25-year-old pregnant woman was stoned to death by her family for marrying against their wishes. In April, more than 200 Nigerian schoolgirls were abducted from their boarding school by the terrorist group Boko Haram. Tragically, even in the year 2014, the state of women around the world remains precarious. Every day, women and girls endure horrific acts of violence in their homes and communities. Women are raped, beaten, disfigured by acid, forcibly married, trafficked, and sold as slaves. They're denied basic rights, such as the opportunity to get an education, to see a doctor, try to make a living outside the home simply because of their gender. But we have an opportunity to take action to help end the scourge of violence and discrimination. And that's why I introduced the International Violence Against Women Act, IBAWA, with Senators Menendez, Collins, Kirk, and Shaheen, and we have so many supporters on that bill now. And it's why I've long supported U.S. ratification of CEDAW, the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. I hope this hearing builds momentum for action in the Senate on both IBAWA and CEDAW, because we have to do more than make our speeches and call for the end of violence. We have to act. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America. If you're wondering where you have arrived... This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, coming to you live from Colorado Springs, Colorado, where the temperature right now is 72 degrees and some slight thunderstorms in the mix. Folks, we tonight honor a very special lady by the name of Senator Barbara Boxer. Let me tell you, the bar continues to rise. Tonight is no exception. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill kicks off. Right now. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening to you. Thank you to all of our listeners around the United States and around the world. I'm Lamont Banks, along with William Williams, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt. Lisa is off tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it, AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill kicks off with another big one, and that is Senator Barbara Boxer, been in Congress for over 20 years and making a difference in our nation's capital. And we're going to get into that. Our disclaimer, Dennis, please. We are not attorneys, and a just cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. As always, thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Dennis. That's our veteran co-host of tonight's show. And, folks, I'll tell you what, this is a good one, as we were talking prior to the kickoff. Uh, Senator Barbara Boxer, uh, I'll tell you what, she's a firecracker on the Hill, has been there doing a lot of things, 
And I'll tell you what, uh, she, is get, she has gotten better, rather, and that may not be proper English, but I'll tell you it's proper for this moment uh, that Senator Boxer is getting better with time. And I'll tell you what, she is actually a forceful advocate for families, children, consumers, and the environment in her state of California. Uh, uh, Senator Boxer became a United States senator in January of 1993 after 10 years of service in the House of Representatives and six years on the Marin County Board of Supervisors. That's just the beginning of what we will discuss tonight, and it gets better. So, folks, tell your folks to uh, – your family members, whoever, you know, friends and family to call in uh, and be a part of this program tonight, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And uh, we're going to get into that talk. Dennis, prior to the show, talking about Senator Boxer, a couple of things stood out to you. Uh, what were those couple of things that kind of made an impact on you as we get ready to spotlight this wonderful individual? Uh, what's, what, what, what hit me was her, uh, concerned about, her concern about women and about their safety and about making sure that, you know, uh, we really look into trafficking and all these different things that, you know, women being raped and uh, just not being treated fairly. And so she's an advocate for women and also uh, her, her advocacy for, you know, making sure that our environment, you know, is, is protected, that, that, that it's going to be around a long time for our children. No, that's very, very important. And uh, in an environment, make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, critical to the future of America uh, and really to the planet uh, that we protect our environment and do things right by it. Uh, that is the environment is that which we live in. And that's exactly. critically important uh, that those issues be taken up. Cliff, as we were talking prior to the show as well, Senator Boxer doing some things uh, involved in, in uh, you know, in and everything on Capitol Hill to make her uh, I would say leave her footprint, if you will, uh, in a very good way, as, as, as you know, or if you don't know, uh, Senator Boxer's last year uh, on our nation's capitals, leaving, uh, retiring uh, after 20-plus years uh, as uh, a public service to the United States of America. Cliff, your thoughts on the senator? Oh, yeah, I mean, she, um, we congratulate her on her entire career. As you said, this is her last career, but she has definitely uh, left an impression on Capitol Hill. Uh, one of her big initiatives back in 2010 is uh, she founded the Senate Military Family Caucus to help address challenges faced by families of U.S. service members who uh, sacrificed for our country. She also established a West Coast Combat Care Center in San Diego to ensure the severely wounded service members in the West always have access to the highest quality care and uh you know it just uh, speaks volumes to you know not only her advocacy for the environment uh for women's right but also you know dennis is uh you know greatest love the united states military that's right that's no right. absolutely william your thoughts on senator boxer as we get ready to shine a very special spotlight on her tonight well i think uh both dennis and cliff pointed out uh, some very good points about senator she's fault for, uh, you know, domestic issues from, you know, the environment to, you know, terrorists, you know, uh, issues and, and to support uh, Syria and uh, also the the, uh, the veterans that actually have uh, fought overseas. So I think, uh, you know, she's covered a wide range of uh, policies. No, absolutely. That, that's definitely important, uh, William. And you know what, folks, again, we talk about folks, <laughs> excuse me, doing some things, and she's definitely doing that. Again, if you want to join in the conversation, 347-838-8976, 347-838-8976. And, uh, uh, again, stay tuned for that. We're going to be bringing a lot of uh, uh, moments with, uh, with the senator 
Definitely you don't want to miss that. Going to be a good spotlight on this wonderful woman uh, that has given her life uh, to give back to the American people. And we're honored to be able to, to feature her tonight on Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Uh, some current news going on right now today, as you heard, um, verdict in the Baltimore officer, uh, uh, in Freddie Gray's death, rather, uh, and trying to hold people accountable for the death of this young man. And I am completely shocked that there is no type of justice in this country for the death of a man who was clearly driven they called it rough driving, severed his spine, and in all three cases, which were bench trials, determined by a judge, the verdict is not guilty. And you know, you know what really gets me about this, uh, this verdict with all three of these trials is that what they are saying is that there is nobody that's responsible for Freddie Gray's death. Exactly. That, that's what they're saying. That nobody's responsible. Nobody's held accountable. Uh, it's just some type of, some kind of way he just died in the back of the van. N- nothing really happened. It's as if the van was standing still. That's what they want the American people to believe. And that is uh, it's sickening and it's heartbreaking because now you have, I mean, all of the information that was public information that came out about the route that they took, the rough driving on that route, and nobody's accountable. It was nobody's fault. That Freddie Gray is is uh is is dead, was killed, was murdered, his neck was broken, spinal cord severed. But you're telling me it's nobody's fault and nobody's going to be held accountable for that. That is that is sickening. That is that is not just. No, and go ahead, Dennis. And and if you look at it, no matter if if you let one, if you set, if you tell one of them that they didn't play a role, any role, in uh, Freddie Gray's death. How do you say some, you know, the other officer did? So it, it's a setup. I, I don't care what anybody say. You know, from onset, uh, you know, they it, it was already, you know, thought that there was no negligence. Uh, and, and look at it. You know, you got five more officers about to uh, awaiting trial. I, I guarantee you, when they get, when they go and get their turn, they'll be innocent also. Well, the, the, again, and that's what the uh, the folks are saying is that this has set precedence for this judge. Uh, to simply say that a defendant now will, will take advantage and say, well, I don't want a jury trial. Why not? Exactly. Because the average person is going to know that you're responsible when you were driving the vehicle. The man asked for medical care. How does a judge, if we rely on a jury to come back with the right decision, how can we not depend on a judge to make the right decision and, and now they're saying they will follow suit and all will ask for a bench trial because a bench trial is where the judge is compelled by law, by law. Therefore, well, by law, te- technically, can we hold these officers accountable? I think in both cases, whether it's a jury or a bench trial, that they should be held accountable for this t- and to be found guilty of no type of negligence. Nothing. Well, you no know what? type of the anything. Thing is, they're going to get the same judge. Exactly. They're wow. going to get the same judge who already said, well, these three people, they, there was nothing that they did that contributed to the death of Freddie wow. Gray. That's what that judge is saying. And, of course, the other ones are going to ask for a bench trial. They say, well, yeah, I want the same judge. He's already familiar with the case. He knows all the ins and outs. 
So they're going to give him that judge, and he's going to let them all off. This is, and this is why, ladies and gentlemen of America, William, you had a point. Yeah, I, I, you know, the thing about this that really, really frustrates me is the fact that you're condoning this behavior. You're condoning this. I mean, okay, so you knew, you know the policies of rough driving. They talked about it, and they allowed this to happen. And so the guy suffers the injury from it, dies from it, dies in the hands of six, uh, while in the custody of six police officers. It says three of them uh, were charged, uh, three white, three black. All of them are going to walk. All of them are going to walk. He's allowed this to happen. So he's basically saying rough driving is permissible. We're going to allow this to happen. And if he makes it there, he makes it there. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That's what they're really saying here. They're allowing this brutality to happen and this, this bullying by police officers to go unchecked. And then for you to ask for a bench trial? I mean, come on, man. I couldn't ask for that. I mean, I don't know, I don't know the, the, the policies. I don't know everything about that. But I'm just sitting here saying, well, you know, it, it, there's something wrong here. Well, it's the, really wrong. Well, the thing is, is that every defendant has the right to a bench trial or a jury trial. In most cases, folks will lean against a bench trial because they believe the penalty and the judge will rule according to law. The judge states here, Judge Barry Williams disagreed, saying that the state failed to meet its burden to show that the actions of the defendant rose above mere civil negligence. How is the death and the severing of a spine of this man? Does not, how does that fall under mere civil negligence? This man was, had he been taken directly to where he needed to go, they didn't buckle him in the seatbelt in the back of the van. He was in a position where he couldn't really defend himself from any type of injury. At the, in worst case scenario, how about manslaughter? How about, you know what I'm saying? Something. Ve- vehicular assault. That, something, that, a lo- you know, something. That holds you accountable, and they call it rough riding. And they, basically they say they take the defendant on a rough ride. That means for him to simply teach him a lesson, to let him know that he's in the custody of people that have control. This is an absolute outrage and a huge miscarriage of justice that needs to be addressed. And I think it's a sad day in this country that just because somebody gets charged, just because somebody gets you know, uh, placed under arrest and they have to be accountable for the charges that are brought against them. And, and they said that Walter Scott's mom said the same thing. When the officer was arrested in that case, and they said, are you glad that he was arrested? Uh, We'll see what happens, because that simply does not mean justice. It does not mean a conviction. This is an outrage and a tragedy, and the people of Baltimore should stand up and let their voices be heard again, as injustice runs in the streets of Baltimore from the bench. Unacceptable, and we will address those issues. Dennis, your thoughts? I agree with you 100%, Lamont. I mean, until we as a nation, uh, we we have to get tired. We can't stop protesting. We can't stop, uh, you know, letting our voices be heard at at our discontent with, you know, how our law enforcement, not all law enforcement, but the majority, you know, they're shielded by laws that, that put innocent people in prison. And then look at this death. It's like you said, it's, it's unthinkable, but... All we could do is continue to fight and continue to say, no, we're not going to accept this. Somebody should have paid for that. But, of course, again, we're dealing with a society where 
if we don't come together as as a, as, as an American people, we're going to continue to see this. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, folks, had this been officers that had been killed by a driver wow. of African-American descent, and a, and a white officer had been killed and drugged to death and his spine severed, he'd be looking at the needle, yeah, the, the death there, chamber. There's yes. no yes. way that a judge would have let that there's, there's no, no way. way. No, There's no know. way that a judge would have said no one is held accountable for accountable for this officer's death. We're not going to hold anybody responsible, and nothing was done wrong. Well, it's unacceptable. This, this is wow. sick. It's some sick stuff. And then uh, don't get and you'll have. Oh, why are the protesters in the street of Baltimore? Why? Martin Luther King said, "I read somewhere we have the right to protest. We have the right to stand up against injustice. This is injustice." No matter how you look at it, and you want to say, and people will sit back and say, oh, the system works. But if they're found guilty, oh, we have a problem with our system. That is hypocritical. It is two-faced, and it is a double standard in this country when it comes to discrimination against Latinos, minorities in this country. This is sick. And the judge protects their own. The the, the, uh, judicial system protects their own. Exactly. And this is an outrage, a complete outrage, and we're not going to hold back here on AJC Radio uh, to the disgust of that type of what they call justice. We need to take the word justice off of the system, period. We have no justice system. None. None. Absolutely none. Again, we're going to say what it is, and we're going to tell it like it is. And as the old saying, one of the most famous sayings in 2015, it is what it is. That model continues here in 2016 and here on AJC Radio, and we'll continue to pursue this type of injustice. Other news today, President Obama executive action hits the Supreme Court as Republic, the Republican Party, Republican governors from states, Republican advocates, if you will, fought the immigration uh, executive order by President Obama that would allow illegal immigrants and their children who have been here for years, know nothing but America, to have a right to get citizenship. I'm sorry, the human thing to do. Right. And because, now here's what you have in the Supreme Court. You have eight justices. You should have nine. They tied. They were in gridlock. It was a 4-4 tie in the decision. But the first thing the media says today, oh, President Obama lost. The Supreme Court shot his thing down. That's not true. The reason it is shot down is because the Republican, many of the Republicans in the House of Congress chose to do one thing. When President Obama submitted his grand, his uh, Supreme Court pick, they refused to give a hearing on this man. And items and decisions in the Supreme Court right now stand the risk of gridlock for any decisions that are going to be made going forward because we don't have enough justices on the bench. That is a disgrace to the judicial process in this country. William, your thoughts? I think it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, just to block block the appointment and the interview of a candidate by the president, a a sitting president, just because you want your guy in place. And now they think it's perfectly fine. But if the shoe was on the other foot... If this was a Republican president, um, oh, it would be, you know, it'd be out, out of control. But, just, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's, but see, the thing is, really, to get to it, people are suffering. 
People are suffering. Policies and procedures need to be done and in place. The, the highest court in the land should not be in gridlock because they are working for us. They should be working on our behalf and our benefit. And so if they can't do what they need to do, then, you know, I mean, what, do you, what can you say here? What can you say? Well, it's, it's political nonsense. The president did his job under the Constitution of the United States to appoint a successor to judge uh, the former Supreme Court Justice Scalia. Uh, he did that. And, and the, the, this, this, this is why the, some of the polls show the approval rating of many members of Congress is at 9%. Can't be done. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up, spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, Senator Barbara Boxer. Her last year on Capitol Hill, and we're going to dig into her life, her passions, her views as we shine the light on this very special spotlight on Capitol Hill as we honor this young lady who has left an impact in our nation. We're coming right back, folks. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill. We'll be right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this serves as a personal invitation to you. Let's Talk kicks off July 12th at 7 p.m. at 451 Winchime Place. The new acclaimed series on A&E, 60 Days In, will be the topic. Featuring Sheriff Jamie Knoll talking about the impact this new series is having, not only around the nation, but in his personal life. Join us Tuesday, July 12th at 7 p.m. For further information, call 855 529 4252, extension 710. We'll see you then. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are 1 out of 3. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear, there's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. 
He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Gentlemen of America, AJC Radio, on June 28th, next Tuesday at 7 p.m., we will begin, excuse me, at 6 p.m., rather, we will begin to honor a community outreach here in Colorado Springs, namely Colorado Springs Fellowship Church and Pastor Rose Banks. We will give an in-depth look into the sacrifice of community and giving back and what that really means. We will give you the inside story on things that can only be set, known as setting the bar of really giving back to community. Pastor Rose Banks in Colorado Springs Fellowship Church for over 35 years have given in so many unex- in extraordinary ways. We're going to ask you to be a very special part of this broadcast Tuesday, June 28th, and on Thursday, June 30th, a very special spotlight into the life of Pastor Rose Banks in Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, a pillar of the community, and it will blow your mind. What it means to give back, what it means to remember the less fortunate, and what it means to shine the light on, I believe, a legend that has made an impact not only in community, but in this nation. Won't you join us? That again is Tuesday, June 28th, and Thursday, June 30th, as we shine the light on Pastor Rose Banks for 35 years of service to community, and it keeps getting better. We'll see you then. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, Thursday, and tonight we shine the light on Senator Barbara Boxer. Make no mistake about it, a lady from California 
that is a firecracker in our nation's capital. And I'll tell you right now, you better stay clear of firecrackers because they can cause some serious damage. But in this case, with Senator Boxer, very good results have come from this process. And uh, this is her last year uh, in Congress, Dennis, as we were talking prior, again, to, prior on, the, on the previous uh, 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 segment, doing some things up there. And I'm telling you, really fights for the victims, fights for the American people, fights for children, uh, believes in protecting our veterans, believes in uh, protecting our infrastructure, uh, jobs, transportation, uh, doing some things that, I'll tell you what, folks, uh, you need a little transportation and infrastructure to make it here in the United States of America. Dennis, when you hear all of these things, uh, and we're going to get into it tonight as we talk about this young lady uh, that has done so many wonderful things, uh, again, been in Congress since 1983, uh, and apparently they're bringing her back for some reason. Dennis, your thoughts? Yes, yeah, she's truly about the people. And, uh, again, every time we do a spotlight on Capitol Hill and we're talking about our congressmen and congresswomen and we about how, you know, they do so much, but yet, you know, a lot of times they're not recognized for the good things that they do. But I tell you, uh, Senator Barbara Boxer, uh, she's doing a lot of things, and everything that every bill that she's uh, either co-sponsored, sponsored, or is on the committee for, it's all about people. Not only our veterans, but about children, about mothers. You know, it's 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 just deep because every as I flip through, I'm amazed at, at, at you know caring about our seniors. You know, our children, making sure they're being taken care of. Our, our, our military, making sure they're not being ripped off in, in, in the GI Bill schemes and stuff like that. I tell you, she's doing some good work, and I tell you, she's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Clef, when you talk about Senator Boxer, uh, one thing we find out, that Senator Boxer, was also, Boxer excuse me, is also a ranking member of the Senate Select Committee on Ethics. Uh, we've left ethics a long time ago in many cases in our government. Uh, what does it tell you about uh, Senator Boxer sitting on the committee? She's the ranking member uh, on the Select Committee on Ethics. That is integrity the best way you can tell it. Yeah, it's all about bringing back uh, the integrity back to the American uh, legislative process. I mean, there's so many things that happen on Capitol Hill. So, I mean, uh, in every system, there's uh, there's corruption, there's good people, there's bad people. But to see a member of Congress saying, hey, I'm going after those bad apples, because let's face it, Congress gets, they get a bad shake all the time. Most of what you see on television is the bad things about what happened. But, you know, uh, Senator Boxer, she's about saying, look, we need to go back to ethical practices to ensure that the American people can trust what we say and do. Because if we cannot trust our elected officials, then the entire process uh, breaks apart. It's bad enough that so many, you know, citizens of America don't understand the process. But with corruption, it even it makes it even worse. Till nobody trusts it, even when it when the process does work. And uh, Senator Boxer, she's ensuring that that moves forward. No, absolutely. And it says here in 2012 as chairman. Of the Environment and Public Works Committee, she led efforts to pass a bipartisan transportation bill that will save or create nearly 3 million jobs, and this is the kicker, nationwide. And a lot of folks think that because they come from a district, a senator or a congressman, that their impact is strictly within that district. Absolutely not the case. And that's why we count ourselves as constituents of Senator Boxer. Three million jobs nationwide based upon 
uh, her action to pass a bipartisan transportation bill that will save and create nearly 3 million jobs. That's someone that's walking the walk, Dennis. That's awesome. At the end of the day. Uh, William, your thoughts on that as well? I I think that, um, excuse me, I think that, uh, you know, she's pretty amazing. I'm just reading some of the material myself and and going through looking at her resume. um, She is, uh, she's done a lot of amazing things. And I tell you, she's really, really, really impressive. The things that she's done for California as far as, the environment is just impressive. The thing I was looking at here that was really stood out to me is that she is working uh, on gun violence. She is dealing with gun violence. She's dealing with um, with terrorist organizations and policies and security procedures around that. I, I mean, she's covering a lot of things, and I think that's what you know a senator should do no, is cover a lot of things, not kind of pigeonhole themselves, but looking at the fact that these policies and procedures are covering. Um, sure. The people of our country. Oh, absolutely. And as state chair, as a champion of quality public education, and folks, this goes to the kids of America, the children of America, the future of America. Senator Boxer wrote landmark legislation establishing the first ever federal funding for after school programs. Her law now covers 1.6 million children. She continues to work to expand after school programs. Again, nationwide as chair of the Senate After School Caucus. When, when you hear that clip, I mean, this again, her impact is not only in her district. These are after school programs for the children. What's critically important about that is that if kids are involved in after school programs, you keep kids off the street. You keep kids out of jail and detention and uh, uh, juvenile issues in the in, in criminal justice system. This is absolutely amazing. 1.6 million children are affected by that action by Senator Boxer. Cliff, as a father, that has to mean a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot to you. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we all, when we grew up as kids, we got into some, uh, you know, juvenile delinquency issues. But you think about, uh, you know, there in uh, in California, where where she's from. All of the issues, you know, with gang violence, with uh, with everything that goes along with that. Also, you know, with the amount of kids that, uh, you know, are, are uh, preyed upon by predators. There is, you would think every state would say, look, we need to have an after-school program. Because like you said, Lamont, that is what keeps children off the street. That is what keeps our kids all the way, you know, and it could be something so simple. I mean, implement, you know, a basketball court, a baseball diamond, uh, you know, just a, a indoor hall where they can where they can play games. It is it's critical to ensure the safety of children. And it's such a common sense legislation to say, hey, just fund that fund it, give it some money so the kids have somewhere to go after school. Because, you know, when I was coming up, especially in California, the uh, the worst thing was, you know, an idle teenager in California. That is oh, that is a trouble. recipe for disaster. So Congress, I mean, uh, Senator uh, Boxer, she's ensuring that, you know, children have somewhere to go after school to ensure that they don't get in trouble. And that that is the first step. Well, Senator Boxer, if you're listening in tonight, can we get you for a reconsideration to stay on in our nation's capital? Because I'll tell you right now. What you're doing is making a difference, and uh, those are pretty big shoes to fill, Dennis. And uh, we get, I found this uh, very interesting, that in 2010, the Senate Military Family Caucus, she founded that the, the Senate Military Family Caucus to help address the challenges faced by families of U.S. service members who sacrificed so much for our country. 
She worked to establish the West Coast Combat Care Center in San Diego to ensure that severely wounded service members in the West have access to the highest quality care. She also helped create the Defense Task Force on Mental Health and secured millions in federal funding funding, excuse me, to improve medical care for the severely burned soldiers. I'm going to yield to our veteran uh, host here. Dennis, that's pretty big. Oh, that's real big. And uh, hopefully the rest of the, uh, the country, the uh, rest of our states are, follow, are following suit. Because I tell you, when our soldiers come back, when our military come back from uh, the war zone, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things to deal with. Uh, a lot of them uh, get on alcohol, drugs, uh, a lot of mental uh, issues to deal with. And you got to have somebody out there fighting to the fight for them. I mean, actually stepping out and creating programs that assist the families because a lot of times we concentrate on the, uh, you know, on the, the, the military individual, you know, the, the soldier, the airman, the Marine. But what about the Marine's family Absolutely. or the soldier's family? And, and that's what she's doing. She's, awesome. she's bringing it all together, and it's awesome. Yeah, I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, Senator uh, Boxer is not only concerned. Again, these are just a couple of things that she's involved in. And, uh, again, the main topic right now in our country, of course, is gun control. Uh, finding some solutions to that. Uh, we actually found something where the senator is speaking about the importance of uh, ending gun violence in America. Mr. President, when I woke up this morning, I had hoped that yesterday's tragedy in San Bernardino was just an unimaginable nightmare. And then, as I usually do in the morning, I go through the clips from my state. And I read the headlines. Bloodbath in San Bernardino. 14 slain at California office party. Carnage in California. Shooting rampage sows terror in California. At least 14 dead in mass shooting. Deadly rampage at holiday party. A day of horror. Horror hits home. Horrific. Just one word. Masked mass murder. These are from papers all over my state and a couple of national headlines. My heart is broken after this rampage that led to the tragic loss of life. So many injuries, so much trauma and pain for the people of San Bernardino. I want to thank the medical personnel who are working as we speak to save lives and all the brave, courageous law enforcement officers who rushed to the scene and later stopped these killers. We know that the victims in this attack were county employees at the San Bernardino Department of Public Health. Now I began my career as a county supervisor and I oversaw in Marin County the Department of Public Health. And I know how dedicated those county employees are. They're right there. They're right there in the communities. And the facility was really dedicated to helping disabled people. 
for this to happen at a holiday party, where these employees were gathering in friendship, it's a stunning shock. And wow is the word that when you hear her speak to the tragedy, uh, how important it is that a senator, our elected officials, feel the pain of their constituents, but also the entire United States of America's pain. When you hear Senator Boxer talk, she said heartbreak as she woke up to the news that morning of the tragedy of San Bernardino. Dennis, when you hear the heartfelt words of Senator Boxer, it's without question. This is not an act. It's not a speech. This is a woman speaking the heart of what drives her every day to get up, get out of the bed, and say, I'll go to work again and fight for the American people. What impact does that leave on you, Dennis? I, I truly felt that as she was flipping through the pages and uh, she was, uh, you know, reading the headlines about, you know, horrific, uh, you know, loss of life, you know, just you could tell that she was truly moved by, you know, this, this, this constant death, this constant carnage, per se, uh, within within her state, and 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 you could tell that it's like I gotta do something, you know. First, let me reach out to the families, and let them know that I feel, uh, you know, their pain, and and that I'm sorry that it happened, but I have to do something, and no doubt that pushed her uh, to make some decisions. You know, it, it's it's time. It, it's time for us as an American people to hear and say, okay, yeah, it, it's time for us to do something. And if our senators are doing it. I think we're we're moving closer. And at the end of the day, folks, your senator and your congressman speaks for you because you sent them to Congress. Exactly. You sent them to the Senate. Um, we the people. And that's why, again, we'll em- emphasize this all the way from now until November, the importance of elections, the importance of voting, the importance of doing the right thing and I'll tell you Senator Boxer is such an impressive young lady and when you hear that I would be proud as a citizen of California uh, uh, knowing that my senator she's in my corner she's in my corner Cliff how good of a feeling is that uh, given all the challenges we face as a nation to have our elected officials namely tonight Senator Boxer man you can feel the sincerity from the senator. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when she's when she's there and she's talking about the children, and as you say, I mean, it just gives you an eerie feeling, like Dennis said, when she's flipping through the pages of, uh, you know, violence upon violence upon violence on the kids. And, and when you look at her legislation, all of the things that she has in place for children, she has the National Parent Helpline Act, the Federal Children's Protection Act, which requires anybody who... who like sees if there's a kid on federal land or in federal custody, custody, uh, any federal facility, like you know a juvenile hall, that if they suspect abuse on a child, that they have the right to uh, to bring that up, to bring that up as an issue. She goes on to have the State Children's Protection Act, Early Learning Proficiency Act, the Violence Against Children Act, and then this one really stood out to me. She has the Child Protection Compact Act. 
that basically what it does is that any country that comes into you know a pact with the United States, if they see abuse against children in their country, she's saying reach out to America, reach out to us as a country because you know that is what she's about protecting the children. So she's like reach out to us and we will do some. We will put funding toward that to ensure that any child, any child that's in harm's way is not hurt. That. That is commendable because it's not just about, you know, her child, the children of the constituents of California, the children of the U.S., but kids around the world. She wants to protect them all, and that, uh, that, that really is something, I mean, my hat's off to her for that. No, no, absolutely, and uh, speaking of that, to, the, to those issues in really heartfelt with children, uh, she speaks about sex crimes against children, uh, which is one of the most horrific actions that could ever happen uh, to a child. Again, we speak this, we see that the senator is speaking to issues where people live. Uh, and if you can't get down in the mud where the hurting is going on, you'll never be able to make a difference. Senator Boxer doesn't hesitate to get in the mud, get a little dirty to save the children. Let's play what she had to say about the importance of protecting our children. Thank you, colleagues. You're all so eloquent. And Chairman Mikulski and Ranking Member Burr, I thanked you privately for this, what you're doing today. I want to thank you publicly. Uh, not enough committees are doing, in my opinion, the diligence that should be done, and I'm so appreciative of, of, of you. And, of course, Senator Casey for requesting this hearing. I speak to you today as a mother and a grandmother and a senator from the largest state in the union, believing that there must be zero tolerance for crimes against kids. Zero tolerance. We need a new ethic in this country. I think Senator Burr referred to that idea that we, we get it from the heart, from the soul, in our own communities. So we need a new ethic in this country. And as much as we need to strengthen our laws. Now, if this ethic were in place, this zero tolerance, this kind of sensibility about the fact that we need to protect our kids, if that ethic were in place, many crimes against children would be prevented, and those who commit such acts would be caught before their crimes are repeated and repeated and repeated, and the innocents are damaged for life. So I'm going to give you just two facts, because sometimes we glaze over this issue because there's so many numbers thrown at us. I'm just going to give you two of the many I have. There are 700,000 reported cases of child abuse every year. Think about it. 700,000. Some of our states have fewer than 700,000 people living in them. 700,000 reported cases of child abuse every year, and included in that, 80,000 reported cases, reported cases of child sexual abuse it's every year. And the other percentage I want to give you is that 71% of all sex crimes, uh, sex crime victims are children. 71% of the victims are children. And when you hear that, 71% of all sex crimes in the United States are against children. That is uncomprehendable. Senator Barbara Boxer made this statement on the toughness in politics. 
And I quote, never act out of anger, just process it and win the day. A motto to live by, as the battles in our nation's capital are many. Senator Boxer is up for the fight. We'll be right back here on AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill as we continue to shine the light on the extraordinary champion for America, Senator Barbara Boxer. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. So most people don't understand the importance of exercising and eating right. Most people think it's about getting super buff or eating grass to keep that perfect bod, but to those who believe that are wrong. Exercising regularly and getting the right balance of nutritious food leads to a common diagnosis known as healthy. Now, healthy may sound mainstream and boring, but it's real. It improves your immune system to prevent sickness, boosts self-confidence and controls body weight, gives you energy and improves your overall happiness. So next time you think that's not bad, think again and be the best you you can be. The one and the only PBR. In 1992, when 20 bull riders from the rodeo circuit came together to give life to a dream they all shared, they never could have imagined that it would so quickly develop into one of the most declared and fastest-growing sports in America. PBR brings the toughest sport on dirt to major venues nationwide. Today, more than 600 bull riders from the United States, Australia, Brazil, Canada, and Mexico hold PBR memberships. PBR has rapidly transformed one of the fastest-growing sports in America into a worldwide phenomenon. PBR is located in Pueblo, Colorado, on the beautiful Riverwalk, and they are hiring right now. PBR is looking for a graphic designer, a financial planning analyst, an event marketing director, and a social media manager. Folks, these are opportunities you do not want to miss. Visit their website today at www.pbr.com. You have the option to call at 719-242-2800. And if you can't do that, folks, send an email at recruiting at PBR. They would love to hear from you. And remember, there's only one PBR. And I am optimistic because I know there are people like you out there, and I know there are people like Barbara Boxer in the Senate who's fighting to change this country for the better. You have in Barbara Boxer a subcompact senator passionate about fighting for jobs. 
clean energy reform and green jobs that can't be outsourced. And that's why I expect you to make sure that you return Barbara Boxer to the United States Senate. Thank you very much, California. I'm Barbara Boxer, and I approve this message. And there you have it, President Barack Obama fired up about Senator Barbara Boxer. And I'll tell you what, Dennis, Cliff, and William, you can kind of feel just in a few minutes of this program why he is fired up. And she's talking about creating jobs. She's talking about bringing things back to California, bringing things not, again, we've read two bills already that not only affected California, but the nation. And that's the protection of children. That's the protection of sex crime victims. That is protecting veterans. That is ending gun violence. That is dealing with every type of issue that we face in this country right now. Dennis, when you hear that, a president fired up on that level, the senator has to be doing some things right. Oh, she's definitely doing some things right. I mean, when, when just that little, that clip right there, it's like it was so motivating because they were they were talking about how she's doing so much. And I mean, when you got your hands in this many bills, I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, you're you're busy, and it's all about the people. That's the great thing about it. It's not a specific area. It's it's all over the place. I mean, you're talking environment, you're talking safety, you're talking military, you're talking children, you're talking mothers, fathers, senior citizens. I could go on and on and on. She is just, she's, she's got her hand in everything. I mean, how awesome is that? And uh, as you read some of these things that she's involved in, uh, Senator Boxer wrote the United States-Israel Enhanced Security Cooperation Act which President Obama signed into law in July of 2012, reaffirming our country's special relationship with Israel and strengthening economic and security cooperation between the two nations. She is the author of the Syria Accountability Act, which strengthens sanctions against Syria over the country's support for terrorism. She also wrote a bipartisan measure to ensure that POWs who died in captivity would be eligible to receive the Purple Heart. Wow. I got to yield back to you, Dennis, our veteran. This is not That's big. This is not living veterans. That's big. These are those that have laid down their lives in the line of duty. There is no greater keepsake than the Purple Heart to give that to the families of a lost soldier, a lost fighter for this country is just powerful. I mean, uh, we, we do the, the, the Medal of Honor, but I never, ever thought about the Purple Heart being presented to the families. For the fallen. For the falling, instead of the living. Of the, of the living. It is it, awesome. It's awesome. What? I, I'll tell you, awesome. William, how big, how big is that? I've heard... Many occasions where the president, they'll say, is putting the Purple Heart on a surviving soldier. I've never heard anything putting the Purple Heart on the fallen. On the Senator fallen. Boxer, wow. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, I mean, but you know what? If you think about it, that's they deserve that, and that's what she sees. You know, I, I mean, really, we're we're taking this moment to honor a senator that really understands and values life, values family, values the sacrifice um, that everyone makes for our country. And when you talk about a POW, you know, prisoner of war that's been treated, no telling what kind of way. Of course, they they deserve more. But to say, listen, you know, you will be remembered, and here is a medal for the sacrifice. That they know nothing about. That they know nothing about. But you can imagine wow. if it, your family, the family, the family that's, that's the key, the family. The family looks at it and says, you know, they'd have to look at it and say, it was, he's not forgotten, or she's not forgotten. Their life was not in vain, lost in vain, you know. And so when you, t- when you have a ranking member of, uh, of the Senate, you know, push this through. That's absolutely right. That's that's a piece of legislation that should have been on the books if you think about it. It should have been. That should that should they actually shouldn't have been a piece of legislation. That should have actually been like automatic, you know, automatic. Yeah. But you know, that's that's who she is. That's the character of this kind of senator, and that's why Barack Obama is saying send her back. He's saying send her back because she has that kind of character. Absolutely, Cliff. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that uh, you know. You can't imagine those family members of a uh, of POW, a, uh, a MIA that you know they don't they don't have closure. They don't have anything to say that you know uh, my husband, my father, my brother that he fell in the battlefield and he gave his life for his country. But they don't have that closure. I mean, that is the part that to a family says, you know, what do I do about the fact that they may still be out there? That, uh, you know, they may still be able to be rescued, that they're being treated uh, in, you know, like William said, unfathomable ways. But for for her to understand that, that you have you've lost somebody, you don't have closure and to be able to give some say, you know what, you don't you don't have a body. You don't have photos of your uh, fallen family member, but you have a purple heart. Wow. You have the president of the United States presenting to you. Imagine the the young boy, the young girl who's who stands up there and says, you know, the whole nation appreciates your father. And like you said, Dennis, no greater keepsake, no greater, uh, you know, no greater reward or award to a soldier than to say you had the purple heart of valor. And and for a child to get that or a wife to get that to say the country does the, the people of America do understand that, you know, to me, my family member is still out there. And and here's something that uh that reminds everyone that they gave their life for the country. That that is I mean, that really hits you right in the heart. And and Senator Boxer, she understands that. She understands family, you know, she's protecting kids, she's protecting veterans. She just gets it, and that is what makes a member of Congress, uh, you know, so special. Is because they feel the pain and the heartache of the of the people that they represent. And she's about every ethnic group. It's not about, you know, you could tell that she's 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 that person that would cross party lines, and she, she has. She's that senator that says, "Hey, I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you came from." I'm going to do my job, and it's all about the people. And I think what's awesome here, this is awesome, uh, started a uh, provision to protect children from dangerous toys. Boxer authored, Senator Boxer authored a provision in the 2008 Consumer Product Safety Commission law 
requiring children's products sold over the Internet to list cautionary warnings in their advertisements. And she has also led efforts to protect children from lead and other dangerous chemicals. In response to September 11th attacks, Senator Boxer wrote the law requiring that air marshals be on board high-risk flights and the law allowing airline pilots with special training to carry guns in the cockpit. Did anybody know that Senator Boxer was the one responsible for marshals on our planes after the tragedy of 9-11? Thus, the vision of Spotlight on Capitol Hill. That's right. That's absolutely, again, the safety, the security, not only of our children, of our nation, of our citizens. This is what the oath is all about. A leading defender of women's rights to choose. Senator Boxer helped lead the floor fight for passage of freedom access to clinics and things along those lines, protecting women's rights. Says we want to take a step and give women protection for their rights. On and on, she has championed different at several different legislations. And we know the tragedy that happened in Flint, Michigan. Lead and Drinking Water Disaster Act. Female Veterans Suicide Prevention Act. End of Suffering Act. Safe Drone Act of 2015. Pell Grant Restoration Act of 2015. Gun Violence Intervention Act. Drought Recovery and Resilience Act, Pride Act. I mean, over and over again, everything is about protecting the homeland. International Violence Against Women Act, National Nursing Storage Reform and Patient Advocacy Act. I mean, over and, and we're not even halfway through this. This is what Senator Boxer has done over the last 20 years and I believe they can't all be printed definitely not the impact that she's had on families of uh, of tragedy of the military uh, you know protection of children and you know I was looking at the Healthy Firefighters Act and, and basically what she did was she directed the United States Fire Administration which basically is the uh, administration over all firefighters she directed them to contract with a locally based medical research university to conduct long-term medical health monitoring of firefighters who who responded to emergencies in a federally declared disaster area. I mean, uh, during the 9/11 attacks and after that, you know, a lot of firefighters had you know pulmonary issues with their lungs from from all the ash that they inhaled, all of the all of the health issues after that, and that their families had to deal with. And Senator Boxer went out and ensured that those firefighters, not only at 9-11, but then in every federally uh, declared disaster area, from, you know, the fires like that we have here in Colorado, the fires that are in California and Arizona, that those firefighters are looked over from a federal level that, because every citizen of America appreciates the firefighter when it comes down to, to their area. I mean, oh, yeah. because it's not just your firefighters that are there that are fighting the fire. They get flown in from all the states that aren't having a fire disaster, they fly in extra uh, from there to fight the fires in your area, and everybody appreciates them. I mean, the people who uh, whose areas, you know, the firefighters save, they hold signs up, thank you to our firefighters. And Senator Boxer said, we're not just going to hold signs up. We're not just going to have a picnic. We're not just going to have a day of appreciation at the fire station. She put in uh, 
into law and referred it to the Committee on the on Homeland Security to say that we're having the Healthy Firefighters Act so they and their uh, families will have the medical care that firefighters need. I mean, in hell and ash and soot and oh, all yeah. that from, a lot. you know, live trees and, and buildings. I mean, and imagine chemicals. All, yeah, the uh, old building catches on fire that, God forbid, still has a, a quarantine area with asbestos in it. And you, I mean, that needs to be caught right away. And she set that in place to ensure that the firefighters of America are protected. That's awesome. And she goes further, uh, Dennis, uh, to amend, check the box for the Homeless Veterans Act. Amend the Internal Revenue Code to establish in the Treasury the Homeless Veterans Assistant Fund and allow individual taxpayers to designate on their tax returns a specified portion, not less than a dollar, of any overpayment of tax and to make a contribution of any additional amount to be paid over to such fund to provide services to homeless veterans. Awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, what do you say to that? I, I say that needs to be the uh, template for every state. I mean, every state you go to should have that block. She is connected. Awesome. In every possible way, she, Senator Barbara Boxer, in every possible human issue, she smacked dab in the middle of it oh she's she's definitely in the, in she's the middle busy. of it i mean uh, uh, you know just i mean everything everything latina health access act for for low income or excuse me uninsured and low income individuals i yeah. mean you got asian asian american pacific islanders higher education enhancement act and then what we just talked about honor our fallen prisoners of, of war act that was what we just talked about about the POWs. I mean, these are that is just three of many that she has been instrumental in pushing and passing into acts of law. No, absolutely, and those are things that are critically important to our nation. And it it really it's it's really overwhelming when you hear the specifics. We know some years ago the the. Uh, Scandal dealing sexual assault in our military, on our bases. Women coming out saying they were violated, they were mistreated. She, Senator Boxer deals with the issues that are not necessarily the most comfortable. But she does not hesitate, which is the definition of a soldier. I yield again to Dennis. How true is that, Dennis? That is that is very true. The uncomfortable I mean, situations. But no matter what, you got to do what you got to do, and uh, uh, Senator uh, Boxer is definitely doing that. And I mean, wow, that's awesome. Well, we're going to hear what she had to say about sexual assault in the military. We're not going to hide. She's not going to hide and run away from it. She's not going to look for a cover. She's going to step to the plate and hold those people accountable for this type of violation. Let's hear what she had to say about this topic. Senator Boxer, thank you so much, Madam Chairman and Ranking Member Graham. Thank you both for holding this critical hearing. It's very timely, and thank you so much for this opportunity to testify. I'm very honored, very honored. So today I'm here to talk about the violent crime of sexual assault in the military, not about fraternization. I'm not here to talk about disrespect, but about vicious crimes. And 
I'm not here to talk about false charges, but about real charges and the way they're handled. As you well know, Congress, to our great, I think, credit, passed the Bipartisan Violence Against Women Act, and I thank everyone on both sides of the aisle who worked so hard for that to pass. And I was so proud that President Obama signed it into law just last week. That law recognizes that every human being, every human being, male, female, deserves protection from violence. And it sends a clear and unequivocal message that wherever a sexual assault occurs, Madam Chairman, whether on a college campus or on an Indian reservation or in a religious setting or in our military, yes, the offender must be punished. Sexual assault is a heinous and violent crime and it must be treated as such. It isn't an internal matter. It is a violent crime, and it must be treated as such. And I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the Boxer-Cornyn Amendment that said, no, the military cannot take uh, offenders, people who have been convicted of sexual assault, into the military. That will help us going forward. But we need to do much more. We know this crisis is staggering. And despite some important reforms by the Department of Defense, and I thank them for those, they're trying to improve prevention, investigation, prosecution. Still, too many military sex offenders go unpunished, and too many victims do not get the justice that they deserve. Well, there you have it. Uh, very touchy subject, very difficult subject, but holding these individuals' feet to the fire to answer to these issues. Wherever you have power, you have to have folks that will hold the people in power accountable. Senator Boxer doesn't hesitate. And when she begins to break down the the horrific act of sexual assault with our women in uniform is absolutely unacceptable. Dennis, you've been in the uniform, you've worn it. Our women's, our service women who get up every day that took an oath to defend this country and the Constitution of the United States from terrorists here and abroad, they deserve the same respect and honor that our men soldiers get. Speak to that, uh, would you, Dennis, on that. And because of uh, Senator uh, uh, Boxer, uh, there's a lot of changes. Uh, you know, not only her, but, you know, congressmen and other senators that came together along with President Obama. There's a lot of changes right now. I mean, there's mandatory classes that, that the soldiers have to attend. Uh, leadership is held accountable. So if a soldier does something, or airman or marine, then their chain of command, uh, they're, they're held accountable for their actions because it's so big because of her intervention that I'm telling you right now the eyes are on ensuring that no one's sexually assaulted, uh, that there's no harassment of any type. It's, it's uh, zero tolerance uh, in the military today because of that. That's awesome. And uh, we said earlier in this program, folks, if you want to get in on the conversation, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. As we shine the light on Senator Barbara Boxer, 
man, I mean, you just begin to, you just, this is an endless depth, if you will, well of information of what she is doing, protecting the rights of women. We're in a new time now in this country. Oh, yes. This isn't about disrespecting women, and well, they don't matter. They matter very much. We are an election away of a commander-in-chief, woman president, first ever to be nominated by a major party for president of the United States. That says we have come some distance. And the disrespect of women, that's, that's going to end. And that is not going to be tolerated in the United States of America. And I'll tell you what, when we look back on history, we will say that some of these things have happened because of a woman from California by the name of Senator Barbara Boxer, who stepped out to defend the rights of women and say enough is enough. We will not say this is acceptable. And that's critically important. William, when you hear that, uh, it does something to you. It makes, I'll be honest with you. It makes me proud that I come from a nation uh, that is starting to learn the appreciation of our women. That's true. And they must be protected. They must be honored in every possible way. Your thoughts on that, William? Well, I think, um, you know, for a long time they were trying to, you know, shatter the glass ceilings in corporate America and things like that. And, you know, they were fighting for equal wages and, and things like that. And so now you have a, a senator that's sitting here that is fighting and fighting for equal rights, saying that, listen, we, we do have a say. We do have power. Um, we can hold the the seat of the highest office, or excuse me, the highest seat in the land in the world, and we can be the commander in chief. There's nothing because of my gender that says I can't do that job, and uh, that's really what she's saying. And and she she in and of herself is saying, look, I'm a model for this. Absolutely, I'm standing here as a senator, and you can look at me however you want to look at me, but I am going to command your attention. You, I, I deserve your respect. And you're going to hear what I have to say because what I have to say affects the lives of people not only in this room and the families in this room, be it the Senate or wherever. But she is she's talking for us. She is going to be a voice for us. So she's saying, listen, it doesn't matter about the gender. It doesn't matter about my stature. I have a right to say something. Oh, absolutely. And I believe that's the motto for our little girls. Uh, that are maybe in the classroom playing with Barbie, and but they sit my little sit your little girl down and say, "Hey, guess what? A foundation is being set that you can do anything that you want to do." And Senator Boxer has is laying Cliff to me the very foundation, along with other women. Uh, but we're, we're focusing on this senator tonight, Senator Barbara Boxer, her actions, her legislation, setting the bar, setting the foundation for our future leaders, young ladies, that they are important and they mean they mean something. Yes, they do. And what you have to look at, I think, you know, I, I think to this, the issue with the, um, you know, the Stanford uh, player that just got the six months for uh, sexually assaulting uh, the, the other student there. And it, it was a, an appalling, appalling sentence. But that type of uh, you know, 
sometimes those things are learned. I mean, you had this kid's dad stood up in, in court and, and basically blamed the victim, blamed the woman for the fact that his son uh, raped her. And I thought that was the sickest thing I ever heard. But those type of things are taught. And what, uh, you know, what Senator Boxer, what she's doing is saying, we're going to teach our young girls that you stand up no matter what. If someone attacks you, if uh, if someone touches you in an inappropriate way, you stand up and you're allowed to tell somebody because that is that is the issue with sexual assault is that you know a lot of times the the victims feel like they're going to be blamed, which is totally totally ludicrous and insane. But Senator Barbara Broxer is saying, look, for every little girl out there, for every young woman, this is the time for you to stand up. You, uh, we are, like you said, on the on the crux of having a uh, a female president. Absolutely. And, and to tell the young women that you can be whatever you want to be, and you have you have the right to not be touched in a way that you don't want to be touched. And as sick as that is, that they have to be told that in 2016, it is still the case. Well, and uh, but she is ensuring that they understand that to the to the nth degree. No, that's absolutely uh, true. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll tell you, I'll tell you, I've told you once, I'll tell you again. The bar has been set a little bit higher again tonight as Senator Barbara Boxer. And we haven't even got through half of Senator Boxer's accomplishments, her passions, her work, her dedication is above the rest. Tonight, we take a moment to honor this senator from California, Senator Barbara Boxer. We're coming right back, folks. You want to join in, 347-838-8976. And we, I'll say to Senator Boxer tonight, take a bow as you have impacted this show thus far and our listeners around the world as we honor you tonight. Folks, we'll be right back with Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, honoring Senator Barbara Boxer. We'll be right back. Sergeant Michelle Garcia served meritoriously in Iraq and has the medals to prove it. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Corpsman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings, even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage, and even after Richard battled alcoholism for years, they each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call. I've been getting mixed messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women when I have such lousy role models? Boys are never going to approach you. Can you help me reshape my attitude towards women? You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong. 
But ladies and gentlemen, this serves as a personal invitation to you. Let's talk. Kicks off July 12th at 7 p.m. at 451 Winshine Place. The new acclaimed series on A&E, 60 Days In, will be the topic. Featuring Sheriff Jamie Knoll talking about the impact this new series is having, not only around the nation, but in his personal life. Join us Tuesday, July 12th at 7 p.m. For further information, call 855-529-4252, extension 710. We'll see you then. I wanted to be in the military since I was a a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. you got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, as tonight we have been honored, and I'll tell you what, folks, overwhelmed uh, by Senator Barbara Boxer from California, 
And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen of America, it keeps getting better. Dennis, I'm Lamont Banks along with William Williams, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt. And I'll tell you, man, we're excited here at AJC Radio as we have unveiled uh, some nuggets, if you will, on Senator Barbara Boxer doing some great things. And uh, right now we're going to bring in, we, I believe we have a caller. Yes, we do. We have uh, Leslie Salvio, writer with Daily Coast. Leslie, you are live. Go ahead and make your comment. Hi there. I, I did. This is the first time I've heard your show, and I have to say the ads in between uh, are great. The, the public service announcements, I think you're doing a lot of good for the community, so thank you for that. Um, well, thank I, you. I love that you're, and I love that you're um, kind of honoring uh, Senator Boxer. I've, uh, I, I write quite a bit about different issues and different people. I, and when I came across, a, it was a video last year on – on C-SPAN, and she was addressing Congress, and basically um, she was doing her best to be, well, she was bipartisan. She tries to reach out, but she was speaking to Republicans and basically telling them they were threatening a a government uh, homeland security shutdown, the Department of Homeland, and she just does, she pulled no punches, minced no words, and just said, you know, stop this. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically immature. You're doing it to spite President Obama and for, for uh, using his executive order powers. And she said, why didn't you have the problem, you know, when I, why didn't Republicans have a problem when Eisenhower did it? What about Reagan? What about George W. Bush? So she, sure. she has no problem pointing out hypocrisy um, and, um, and basically told them to do their jobs. Uh, and um, we're still waiting for that. Anyway, the, um, right. the 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 fact that she's served um, for over three decades, starting with the House of Representatives in 1982, and she served in the House and Senate. Imagine the experience. And she's served under five different presidents, which she's given respect to all of them, even when they weren't, you know, within her party. And that was that was another thing she um, made a point of at the when she was speaking in Congress. And I wrote about it. And I and I quoted a lot of uh, the things that she said, and I was just amazed. I wasn't—I'll be honest—I wasn't as familiar with her, but since then, um, I'm just in awe. And I hate to see that she's going to be uh, retired. She's done so much for so many, and you've listed uh, quite a few on the show already. But the fact that she's been an advocate for healthcare, for education, for women and children, environmental causes. Women's reproductive rights, she's pro-choice, um, protecting Social Security, protecting national security, making sure there are benefits and protecting the troops and veterans that they so deserve. And she's pro-LGBTQ, and, um, and, and of course, uh, she's pro-gun sense legislation, common, common sense gun legislation. Okay. So she's yes. just, yeah, she's, she's pretty amazing. And I just wanted to call in and... and and say that and, and let the people know, um, and, and so many people already know, and they so appreciate her, and I hope she realizes that. No, listen, uh, we appreciate you for what you're doing, uh, and writing on, on Congress, oh, excuse me, on Senator Boxer is just absolutely uh, respectable, uh, and I'll tell you what, if you need a platform ever, uh, we appreciate what you do, because if without writing, without media, without radio, Without what we're doing and what you're doing, you know what? A lot of people don't know, uh, and we want to educate America that we have some great people that are elected 
and, and, and occupy offices in our nation's capital. Right. Well, thank you. Anytime I can help. And again, I love what you're doing. And 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 um, if if Barbara Boxer, Senator Boxer, is listening, I am a huge fan. And I intend to do some more stories on her. Um, but we sure will miss her. She's a great woman and a great lawmaker. Well, absolutely. And we thank you. And we look forward to working with you in the future as we continue to shine the spotlight on Capitol Hill. Thank you so much. You have a good okay. evening. You too. Bye bye. Uh huh. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, wow. You're talking about an endorsement from a writer saying great things, Dennis Cliff William, about Senator Boxer. And it seems to be contagious and more contagious than the common cold. Things are catching on as we continue to look at the life of Senator Barbara Lee. And right now we're going to listen to something she had to say uh, in regards to uh, in, in regards to the uh, what would you say in re- in regards to the health care and not repealing health care, uh, Senator Barbara Boxer uh, will actually be addressing that uh, here in a moment. Let's hear what Senator Boxer had to say about health care and not repealing that, as the Republicans set out to do that as well. And what I want to say is that in a very uh, fascinating ruling, the Chief Justice decided that this bill was constitutional. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time discussing uh, why he said it and why they decided it. What I'm going to talk about is what happens if the Republicans have their way and this law is repealed. I want the American people to know because we... And I say this with no animosity at all. I I just say, I'm going to do everything I can to stop them from repealing it for a reason. And the reason that the families in my state and all over the country that are getting the benefits of this law. Governor Romney says it's going to be the thing he's going to do the first day. He's going to repeal the health care law if he gets elected day one. Let me tell you what will happen very, very clearly. There are 54 million Americans who are now getting access to free preventive services such as mammograms and immunizations if they have private insurance. That's most of our people. They would no longer get free mammograms, free checkups, over and out. 54 million Americans lose if Governor Romney and the Republicans repeal this bill. Six million of my people in California. My seniors, over 300,000, would no longer get help with their prescription drug benefit. Now they are getting help. They will then go back to choosing between taking their prescription drugs or eating dinner. I'm sorry, I'm gonna stand in the way if I can. In Medicare, millions of seniors would lose access to free preventive services. 32 million Medicare patients get these services for free including cancer screenings and flu shots. Why on earth would somebody or some party want to get up and say, I'm repealing that? And there you have it, uh, Senator Barbara Boxer talking about why the need not to repeal Obamacare. 
And I'll tell you what, I respect Senator Boxer for one reason. One, well, for one, re- one of the reasons, but many reasons I respect her, is to speak out against this type of nonsense. Millions of Americans are affected in a very positive way with health care now, something that we have tried for years to get past, and President Obama gets it passed, and he is still criticized, even after the Supreme Court of the United States upheld Obamacare as law. Senator Boxer does not hesitate to speak to the issues, whether people like it or not. Thus, what the writer was pointing out, that she just simply tells it like it is and speaks to those issues. Cliff, how important, and how do you say to millions of Americans, throw out Obamacare, and how many Americans would actually be without health care, many lives lost, as a result of this type of political nonsense, and to have Senator Boxer calling people on the carpet to say, what are we doing here? Politics cannot be the dominating factor. The American people must be. Cliff, your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, the affordable health care, and you look at uh, what it does for millions of people, and there there are those who are against it. That's their right. But the, the, the issue that I have is that you have people that say, repeal it, repeal it, repeal it. What are you going to replace it with? That, that is the question. If you say that you're going to take something out of law, that you're going to repeal that, then you have to have a viable and reasonable replacement. That is the problem. And you can't just stand up and say, well, we need to get rid of Obamacare. Well, if you believe that and if you think that that's what needs to happen, then you have to have some affordable health care to replace it with. And uh, Senator Boxer has basically, you know, thrown her hat in the ring, say, I am on board with this. And the thing is, if you have people on the other side of the aisle, most of the Republicans, that say, get rid of it. Well, if you're going to get rid of it, have something to replace it. Not just anything, but something better. That's the issue. And until that happens, then leave it in place. And so, uh, but you have to commend uh, Senator Boxer for saying, look, this is, this is just how it is. This is the way it is. I don't pull any punches. I'm set it all on the table, and th- these are the issues that we're going to deal with. Is- you, you cannot ask for anything more. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Senator Boxer was vocal. We all know what happened in the, in the passing of Supreme Court Justice Scalia. Uh, all of the politics that became started to become involved with, you know, as we talked about earlier on the top of this show, the beginning of the show, rather, speaking to the issue where uh, today the Supreme Court, because there's not enough, because we have the one vacancy, was in gridlock, 4-4, on the executive action of the President of the United States, on his executive uh, action regarding immigration relief. And she spoke to that. Uh, We are in a position right now in this country, and it is unprecedented, that we are, the Supreme Court is hearing cases that really don't matter, because they're going to be divided down the middle, so you're wasting time. And money. And major issues and major decisions that must be made while po- politics seems to come into play, even at the death of a Supreme Court justice, Senator Barbara Boxer has something to say about this. Ms. 
President, I came to the floor today because I am stunned. I just learned that the Republicans have announced to the country that they won't even call a hearing should and when President Obama does his job and nominates a replacement for Justice Scalia. And we send our sympathy, heartfelt, to his family. I don't know where the Republicans have come up with this notion that this is the right thing to do. If you look at the strict constitutionalists, you know that they're reading the Constitution. And unless they're phony, this is what the Constitution says. The President shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, and judges of the Supreme Court. Now, where in this does it say, except in election years? As a matter of fact, we have acted 14 times in election years. Mr. President, whoever is a strict constructionist should read the Constitution. Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2. I'm going to read it again. The President shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, and judges of the Supreme Court. It doesn't say, as Senator Cordon says, oh, the President can nominate, but nobody else has a job to do. Oh, no. It says, same sentence and with the advice and consent of the Senate. To have such a press conference, as I understand, I didn't see it myself, but it's been reported to me that there's been an announcement that the Republicans won't even hold a hearing goes against this Constitution. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lawsuit brought by the people of this country. Well, there you have it. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen of America, we said at the top of this program, a firecracker, if you will, making some noise on our on Capitol Hill, Senator Barbara Boxer, no hesitation, no fear factor, tells it like it is. And Dennis, when you hear that, challenging the Republican Party, challenging her colleagues across the aisle for nonsense. What, th- what are your thoughts on that? Again, this is uh, Senator uh, Boxer's truly... Uh, a senator for the people. I mean, it's not about, uh, you know, trying to make friends on the Hill and, and you know, trying to, uh, you know, staying quiet. I don't, I don't want to, you know, start no fires. She's a fire starter. And she's making sure that the word gets out if she objects to it or if she disagrees to it. She brings it on the floor. And she makes sure that the senators understand, I disagree. And what we're doing is we're affecting not only, you know, the American people, but we're slowing, we're, we're, we're stopping, we're doing, like you said, just ridiculous, doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Why, and go ahead, Dennis, I'm sorry. Again, why would you try to prevent, why would you not want seniors to have health care? I mean, I, I, I Absolutely. don't get it. I, I, I don't hey, get it. Listen, I'll tell you what, you're not the only one scratching your left temple on your forehead. I'll guarantee you that. There are folks scratching their head. Trying to answer the question, Dennis, you just asked, 
And this, I thought this was hilarious, but a notable career highlight of Senator Boxer was exposing Pentagon overspending, including $7,600 appropriated for a single coffee maker. Uh, notable, she stepped to the plate and said, wait a minute, that's the most expensive coffee maker uh Basically, it is a sign of overspending. She just steps to whatever it is and calls it out. And I think that's very much uh, to be respected. And, uh, William, when we talk about accountability, we talk about, uh, again, her holding folks accountable, uh, I think which is critically important. Uh, You had some information uh, where she actually was involved in doing just that. Yes, I was. Uh, I was actually looking at the this. Pride, it was actually called the Pride Act, and we mentioned it uh, earlier in the segment. But basically, it was talking about the the uh, the FBI announcing a reform to the data collection system. And so, basically, what she was dealing with is that that and this act in and of itself, basically, is, it will the FBI will reform its data collection system to better track violent encounters between police and members of the public. So now what it's saying is, is that they're, they're going to be held accountable for these, these you know, interactions that they're having, these violent interactions between local law enforcement and citizens. Now it's going to hold them more accountable. So they're not just going to be able to sweep these things under the rug you know, and act like you know, these encounters didn't happen, but they're going to have to track these things, which goes back to you know, one of the things that she's big on is ethics, is, is, is being accountable, making these people accountable for what they're doing and their actions, and also accountable to the citizens of this country. No, and that's critically important. And again, the example that she is setting, the, uh, she's, she's simply setting the example. Uh, 30 years in Congress, as our, as our writer alluded to, and over and over again, and it's so refreshing to hear these things. It's just awesome. Uh, and these are things, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you again, this year, one of the most important elections of our time, you need to get out to the polls. You need to vote this year. Uh, it is critically important as we see uh, things shifting in our nation, uh, we need to make sure we stay on track towards our goals and making America a better place. And as the writer Leslie alluded to, her last year, Senator Barbara Boxer, leaving Congress at the end of this term, and uh, we bid her a sad farewell uh, because what a highlight. We say all the time in sports, they'll say, man, that belongs in the highlight reel of ESPN. Well, we'll tell you tonight, folks, the highlight reel is running with Senator Barbara Boxer doing some things, and I'll tell you, we haven't, even touched the surface of this young lady's accomplishments and what she has done. And uh, earlier she was saying a farewell, explaining to a friend that this would be her last year. Let's hear her goodbye. Zach. For the last few months, reporters have been following me all around Capitol Hill, asking me that all-important question, am I going to run for re-election to the Senate in 2016? So I thought, since you're my eldest grandchild, you could sit in for those reporters, you could ask me those questions, we'll get them those answers, and we'll share them with our Pact for a Change community. Are you willing to do it? Sure. Um, Grandma, have you made a decision regarding the 2016 Senate race? I have, Zach, definitely. As the 
constant fighting in the Senate been a factor in your decision? You know, when you stand up there and you fight to make sure there's a strong middle class and you protect a woman's right to choose and you fight for jobs and a clean environment, all those things, human rights, civil rights, that's a fight worth making. So that is not a factor in my decision. Has your age played a role in your decision? Uh, finally, the question the reporters love to ask. No, definitely not Zach. Care to expand? Here's the thing. Some people are old at 40, and some people are young at 80. It depends on the person. As for me, I feel as young as I did when I got elected. I was in my 50s when I got elected to the Senate. So are you retiring? Zach, I am never going to retire. The work is too important, but I will not be running for the Senate in 2016. I'm going to continue working on the issues that I love. I'll have more time to help other people through my Pack for Change community. I have to make sure this Senate seat stays progressive. That is so critical. And I want to help our Democratic candidate for president make history. But you know what? I want to come home. I want to come home to this state that I love so much, California. What are you most proud of? Well, I'm beyond proud that the people of California have believed in me all of these years. You know, I first um, was elected in 1976. I think your mom was nine years old at the time. And then we won 10 elections after that. What, a, what an opportunity the people of California gave me. And of course, my family. My family's been my rock all these years, including you. Zach, I have about a thousand accomplishments. And I'm going to post a hundred of these at barbaraboxer.com. Grandma, I know you love to write rhymes. So have you prepared one for this special Actually, I did, Zach. Well, would you please share it? Here goes. The Senate is the place where I've always made my case for families, for the planet, and the human race. More than 20 years in a job I love, thanks to California and the Lord above. So although I won't be working from my Senate space and I won't be running in that next tough race, as long as there are issues and challenges and strife, I will never retire. Because that's the meaning of my life. Thank you for everything, Senator Box. Thank you, Zach. And thank you, Senator Barbara Boxer. We will be we will miss you. Uh, a lady, a champion, a warrior, if you will, who set out on a journey some thirty years ago to impact a nation. And I'll say to Senator Barbara Boxer, mission accomplished. Thank you for your service to America, to our children, and to the future of this nation. We say thank you from AJC Radio and all of our listeners. We thank you. Very special thanks to Senator Barbara Boxer allowing us to share her story tonight her staff, and all that she has endured over the course of her career in our nation's capital. We bid you a sincere, restful, and blessed farewell from Congress. Right now, we turn our attention to what you didn't know about the RP6. It starts right now. A just cause has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Serrigan 
about the RMP6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. My name is Gary Walker, and I'm serving a sentence of 11 years in the same prison. Just to decide, not only were the six of us all devout members of the same church, there was not a single criminal charge or conviction among any of us until these unbelievable events unfolded. My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of 10 years at the same prison in Colorado. It's fitting that we lived, prayed, and worked together that we should end up dying together, because that is what prison is for us and our families. I am Kendrick Barnes, and I am serving a seven-year sentence at the same prison in Colorado. I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions, the name of our company. I testified. And then Gary objected. A Donnybrook broke out because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights had been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said she had not said anything of the kind, and we demanded the transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. Transcript of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced. I am Demetrius Harper, and I'm serving a 10-year sentence at the same prison. And then in June of 2009, four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us. This time, they only called one witness an FBI agent. And the old adage that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich was proven. This is a production that sets the bar and takes a sincere look at the RP6 story. Judge H. Lee Serkin, retired federal judge, felt compelled to say something. We will not remain silent to see the full story, the full playwright of the RP6 tragedy Go to YouTube, search the race card. You don't want to miss it. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Uh, 
um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send against. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we do something a little different about the RP6. We preview an extraordinary show. Actually, two of them beginning next week, June 28th and June 30th. As we take a look at a pastor who is a leader and has implemented change across this community. Her name, Pastor Rose Banks of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. Make no mistake about it, a leader of example, a woman who knows what community service and community outreach is. We will give you an in-depth look into the actions, not the talk, but the walk of Pastor Rose Banks, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, the variety of outreach programs that not only impact a person for a day, but impacts a life forever. You will hear that story. Cliff, as we get ready to shine a very special light on Pastor Rose Banks, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, it will blow our listeners' minds literally. Talk to that for a moment, would you? Absolutely. I mean, you've never seen a uh, outreach from uh, a pastor, a church like this before. You know, uh, I've been in Colorado Springs like 25 some years like that. I've not seen any other church in this community that has done what Colorado Springs Fellowship under the uh, under the leadership of Pastor Rose Banks has done. We've, we've uh, talked to members of law enforcement. We've talked to uh, members of, uh, you know, the, the shelters where the homeless are kept. Their resounding statement is that no other church has done things like this for us. No, the, the veterans who come in, there's nobody has taken this type of time. Nobody has given back to us and understands what we go through, uh, you know, as a group of people. I think it's going to be a couple of extraordinary shows when we go into that. No, absolutely. And I'll tell you right now, folks, if you think that gives it justice, it does not. 
Pastor Rose Banks, a leader here in Colorado Springs for over 35 years, has impacted lives in a way that should be on the national stage. AJC Radio has committed to honoring, as we honor members of Congress, as we honor waymakers, as we honor those who have shaped the culture of America, I can tell you tonight, Pastor Rose Banks and Colorado Springs Fellowship Church has set the bar about community, reaching out and touching lives that bring communities together and heal the wounds that may have happened over the course of time. This is an extraordinary week coming. We'll ask that you go to social media and that you tell everybody about the program upcoming. Too many times, those that make a difference are ignored. Those that impact the lives the most go unnoticed. AJC Radio will not stand for that as we take a week to shine the light on a pastor making an impact on a nation and on a community. Ironically, the IRP6 were all members of this church. Who are they as we shine the light on their vision and their teaching from Pastor Rose Banks, who instilled in them the power to fight, the courage to fight in the midst of battle? Without that leadership, the RP6 could not survive. We will give you an in-depth look at this pastor and this church. You do not want to miss it. They were wrongfully convicted. Who are they? David Banks, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Hopper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. There are perpetrators of justice who caused this injustice, and we have their names. William, who are they? U.S. Attorney John Walsh, U.S. Attorney Matt Kirsch, U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, U.S. Excuse me, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Greg Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Mullen, I'll get that name right, Mullen. Federal, uh, excuse me, former federal agent John Epke, former federal agent Gary Hilberry, attorney Thomas Goodread, attorney Clifford Barnard, attorney Thomas Richards, attorney Robert Berger, attorney Mitchell Baker, attorney Boston Staten Jr., attorney Rick Cornfield, attorney Mark Garagos, and president of ETI Professional Services, Susan Holland and Samuel K. Thurman, the traitor. And thank you for that. The perpetrators of justice, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time on AJC Radio. Next week, you do not want to miss it. We honor and we take a look at the community outreach of Pastor Rose Banks in Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. Good night, America. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night.
Island of War. 